the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Glad you're joining us this week. Hope God is blessing you where you are. And I am here with Danny Smith, my co-host. I'm Ben South. Danny, how are you today in Wyoming? Well, Ben, I'm good. We are in the uh, the throes of a good Wyoming wintry day, so it's got to be warm. But you know I can't complain. Things are good. Life is good. Ministry is good. So excited as always to be on the podcast and i'm excited for our guest today it's gonna be an exciting day day. it's kind of like an old reunion today isn't it it really is you know we go back a few years with this uh person and um and by a few years i mean decades a couple decades yes yep and uh so now we're telling on ourselves a little bit but we went uh, to preschool together that's what that's exactly right that's what it was first and second grade and so Forever Young is the name of our guest and our theme today, I think. But uh, no, it's always good to be here, and I'm excited for it. It is. It's going to be fun. Well, let's just jump right into it. We didn't go to preschool with him. We did go to college together, though. We were on campus together at the uh, same time, all three of us, at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas. But we're glad to have Aaron Ledford with us. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Just give us a little bit of a brief introduction to who Aaron is, where you serve, where God has you, and how he's brought you to where you are. Sure. I have I've been serving in ministry for about 20 years, a little longer than that, and am blessed to be married to my wife, Carice, going on 17 years. And we have two boys, ages 10 and 9, soon to be 11. He'll remind you that birthday is coming up in, in May. And we've had the blessing of serving churches in Texas and in Arkansas and then once again in Texas and recently made the move to North Carolina. And um, we have a sister-in-law that lives in Australia, and she has forgotten what the U.S. map looks like. And she said, you've moved to North Carolina. That's rather southern, isn't it? And so even though we've moved out of the uh south southwest we are in the southeast and and loving it still duly southern state there you go that's right and you're at friendly avenue baptist church isn't that correct tell us a little bit about what you do there uh recently made the move in january to friendly avenue baptist church in greensboro north carolina and i am serving as the minister of music and worship and and Ben, I was telling you earlier that they like to abbreviate that title, Momaw, M O M A W, which my wife likes to poke fun at me about. But I am the new Momaw at Friendly Avenue Baptist Church, and um, they had their previous minister of music was here many many years, and he retired not long before COVID. And they've been in a time of transition basically since then. And so um, they have been very welcoming to us, to our family, as we've come to join the ministry staff here at Friendly Avenue. 
good, glad, man, God is using you there. Now, we all, if I'm understanding, your dad was a pastor too, right, Aaron? Yes, he so, was. So all three of us grew up in ministry, and we all probably have that idea of having to move to a new ministry location. But you made a big move. I, I've moved several times, but we never really moved out of the Mid-South region. Now you've moved from Texas to basically what I would consider the East Coast. But how do you come about deciding, yes, making this big cross-country move is the right thing for my family to move to a new location? What was your process in, uh, you know, once the church reached out to you and you were starting to look and say, okay, yeah, this may be where God is moving. What was your process of deciding, yes, this was a good move for us? So uh, just first off, I'm not one who likes to move at all. Uh, you mentioned that my dad's a pastor, and one thing that I've always admired about him and his ministry is that he stayed where he's ministered for many, many years. And so uh, I share that desire to dig deep roots and to, to stay in places. So my previous church days have been six years, six years, and then most recently nine years and now I'm doing something new. So uh, just making that leap and doing something new was uh, a pretty big deal for me. And the way that it all started for me is there were two individuals, two friends in ministry that recommended my name to three different churches. And I tend to overthink things, but I agreed to let those fellows submit my name to those churches and was hope, hopeful that God would make it very clear if any one of those were things that I ought to consider further. Well, you know, God doesn't always do things the way that we, um, we plan ahead for him to do. And so instead of just one uh, church reaching out to me, three, all three churches reached out. And that just confused things even more uh, to go from not thinking I was moving and wanting to stay in my current church, and then all of a sudden having what seemed to be three open doors. And as I began to talk with the, the leaders, the lay leaders and pastors from each of those churches, and as I began to hear the, the ministry vision that God had given each one of them, uh, the Lord began to, to steer my heart toward Friendly Avenue Baptist and toward the vision that God had given their church. And uh, one of the things that came up right away was, are, how are you feeling about moving far away from family and far away from familiar? And it's pretty far. It's about 1,200 miles away. And so that was a big, big move to make. But we just felt confident that God was moving us in this direction and have been reassured of that along the way. You said, you know, there were some questions along those lines. How was that for uh, maybe your kids, your wife, your in-laws, your parents moving that way. How did you navigate that family dynamic of, okay, yeah, we're look, getting ready to uproot things here, move across the country? I'll say that my wife has demonstrated what I would call a stronger faith in this whole thing, maybe even than, than I have. I tend to be the type of person that wants to have all the questions answered and all of the logistics worked out. And, uh, and she was uh, definitely a big encouragement to go ahead and, and act upon what we knew God was doing in our lives. 
but we certainly did have to have those conversations with our children, uh, with our kids. It was fun because we were able to to look ahead on the internet and find some of the fun places that we would get to see. Greensboro has a great science center that includes an aquarium and a zoo and all sorts of things like that that they would enjoy. Um, there's also the North Carolina Zoo that's in this area. And so with them, we were able to talk about what God was doing with us ministry-wise, but also we were able to use the internet to help them understand what the area where we'd be moving would be like and, and what they would get to experience. And so that was helpful with them. As far as our in-laws go, uh, my in-laws in particular, Carice's uh, parents lived about 40 minutes away from us in Texas. And so we were able to spend holidays with them really easily a couple weekends a month, maybe do dinner together, uh, kids sleepovers and things like that. So uh, I'd say for us, the hardest separation has been from them because we, we spent a lot of time with them. And my parents, having been in ministry for a long time, have been very supportive um, throughout. And, and we didn't live all that close to them in the first place. We're further away now, um, but they've been very supportive definitely had to have those conversations and, and assure each one of those parts of the family that one, we're doing exactly what we think God's calling us to do, but two, just because we're moving far away doesn't mean we'll stop calling or stop FaceTiming or stop coming for holidays. Um, that family is still an important priority for us. You know, Aaron, we've had those similar conversations with our kids and family because, you know, moving from Arkansas to Wyoming was was a big uh, move for us. And I think you really just communicating that well is so important for folks to know that, Hey, this is not just a, uh, you know, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for. I want to say willy nilly decision, but I don't know if that mm-hmm. translates well, but you know, it's not just <laughs> something that we woke up this morning and say, Hey, you know, what would be fun. Let's move across the country. Let's move 1200 miles from home. But there's sacrifice there because you have those family relationships your kids have their friendships, you know, mm-hmm. you have the mm-hmm. friendships in the church. And so um, what was in terms of, you know, being at that church for, you know, six years or I believe maybe even nine years is what you said your last one there. Uh-huh. What was that like? What was that conversation like? Well, started that conversation with my pastor there to kind of give you a timeline. The churches reached out to me in September, those three churches that I mentioned earlier. And then by October, the church here in Greensboro was very clear that that's where God was calling us to go. And their pastor and the leader of their search committee even came out to visit with us since the distance was so great. They came out to visit with us personally. And so I chose to involve my pastor there at my previous church in um, late September, beginning of October so that he was involved in that process early on and wanted him to know that uh, I wasn't considering outside things, trying to get away from where I was serving at Inglewood, but, but that God was really steering us this direction. And so it was helpful to bring him on board early on. And then as soon as we knew that we would be coming here to this church in view of a call, I chose to tell our congregation which felt a little risky because we hadn't come yet in view of a call to Friendly Avenue. And we didn't know for sure if they would call us to come or if something strange might happen on our in view of call weekend. 
But those people at, at the other church there in Texas, they were our family. They, they had been our church for nine years. And so we felt it was important for them to be part of that conversation earlier rather than later, which meant that we had more than a month between the time I gave them my kind of initial, hey, will you pray for us? This is what we're considering. And more than a month between that day and the time that I told the church, yes, God is calling us to do this. And the church there in North Carolina has affirmed that. And, uh, and we need to, to resign here and move there. So uh, it was difficult. And we kind of went back and forth between what would be the best way to process it. Um, but because we had lots of deep relationships and we wanted to be open and honest about it, we chose to, to do it that way, and um, and we're grateful that God worked it out so that it wasn't awkward and that something strange didn't happen. Yeah, um, you had to have good relationships with the church and your pastor especially to, to bring him in there. What do you think were some of the keys to being able to go to him and say, here's what's going on, not necessarily looking to leave. God seems to be opening these doors. What are some of the markers of that relationship that maybe you would look for for someone, someone else in a similar situation? Did you say, hey, look for these characteristics that would enable you to have that conversation? One of the things that was a major motivation for me to have that conversation early on is I wanted to place that church in the best possible uh, situation so that they could continue uh, to thrive after I was gone, assuming that, that I was going to leave. And so um, in my previous church, I was serving as the, the minister of administration and worship on the side. And so there were lots of things that the pastor needed to be able to pick up as I was, as I was leaving so that things wouldn't fall through the cracks. And so I think as far as looking for characteristics in a pastor, you just, you need to have that type of relationship with your pastor where you can talk to him about difficult things and know that he will hear you and not, uh, assume the worst of you, but assume the best out of you. And I think that's a, that's the kind of relationship that we have. Yeah. I love that, Aaron. It, it, you know, I think for one, and, and again, Ben, you mentioned this, we've known Aaron a long time and, and you're a likable person. I mean, I think people see that your heart is for the Lord, for the ministry, but I love what you said that, you know, putting the best interest of the church um, at heart, realizing that, you know, whether you serve there 20 years or, or two years, somebody else is going to lead that ministry one day. You took over for a guy that had a long-term ministry there, but it came to an end. And I love that idea. And I think often we can forget that. Um, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast about kind of that day-to-day -day grind of life and ministry that going, oh, yeah, I want, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is putting the church in the best possible position to not only experience the goodness of the Lord while I'm here, but knowing that if like being your role changes after 10 years or Aaron, it moves you out, um, brings us out the church plant, starts something from scratch. There's this idea that, Hey, one day somebody else is going to be serving in this role. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea. You know, I had a pastor one time that uh, I was initially a little unsure in my first couple of years of serving with him. Um, he was just kind of hard to read. There's probably no other way to put it. It's just a little hard to read. 
And I remember I needed to have this conversation. The Lord was leading our family uh, to move and transition out of that spot. And, uh, and so kind of like you, I took a little bit of a chance. I thought, you know what? I think I would want to know. And so I went and talked to him. Mm-hmm. And man, it just, he, he went from uh, being a little hard to read to this day, one of the biggest mentors that I had, mm-hmm. and he just really embraced that role. So either A, he was really excited that I was leaving, or uh, <laughs> or B, I just totally misread the situation. And I think sometimes we could do that. Sometimes we can go, well, I can't say anything because what will they think? But obviously with some wisdom, like you said, I think that's a big key to helping the church succeed, knowing that it's not an issue with the pastor. It's not an issue with you. We're not unhappy. It's just clearly the Lord leading in these situations. Yeah, and when it's the Lord leading, you don't want to go somewhere else or you don't want to stay where he doesn't want you, obviously. Right. Um, but it doesn't make the pain any less. You know, I've thought mm-hmm. um, many times about when you put down roots in ministry, the longer you're there, the deeper those roots grow mm-hmm. and the bigger the root ball is. And so yeah. when you when you pull up that root in that tree, the longer you've been there, the bigger the hole is going to be, uh, both in your personal life because you've got so many relationships and in the church. So it's good to put down roots. Just know that sometimes there's going to be some pain in the moving when God does do that. But sometimes he needs to transplant trees. And so we, we have to be you open know, it, to his leading. So there's a church that we put down some roots with a couple of years ago, and, and we were there quite a while and yeah it's just neat so at first it was it was being what you just said there was kind of this this whole like man I don't really I don't and Aaron you're probably experiencing some of this like mm-hmm. okay I don't quite have the relationships that I had it's going to just take time but you know that and, but it's been fun for us to see now those roots produce some fruit and if you've never heard that illustration in church life then I don't know what to say at this point, except it. Uh, <laughs> listen to some more preaching. Familiar, yeah, there you go. Listen to some more preaching. And so, yeah, it's been neat to see the fruit of those relationships because now some of our biggest helpers, our biggest prayer partners are those folks that we put roots down. Now, with putting those roots down, when you do transplant somewhere else, if we want to use that analogy still, there's different soil when you get to the new place. It's not going to be the same place you were plucked out of that you're going into. Talk through some of those things you've had to learn, because North Carolina culture is different from Arkansas, Louisiana, I think is where you grew up, wasn't it? Yep. And yep. Uh, Texas. It's a lot different when you get out to North Carolina. What were some of those maybe culture shocks or things that you had to, oh, that's a little different here, than how just the people operate within that culture? So obviously the big one is barbecue. I think we've hit on that already. There's the difference between Texas barbecue and um, North Carolina barbecue. I'm, I'm kind of a Memphis barbecue kind of person. I love Memphis barbecue, having lived close to Memphis there in central Arkansas. But we've been introduced to Stamey's barbecue in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is one of the staples. And if you like pork, and you like a vinegar type barbecue sauce, it's it's really good. And it's not that expensive to eat there. So we've been there a couple of times already. I guess we're not all that uh, discriminating in terms of our taste because we like Texas barbecue and we like North Carolina barbecue too. Uh, but one thing I've never seen before is red coleslaw. Have you oh. seen red coleslaw before? I don't think I've ever seen it. It has you know, that- I- 
I don't think I've seen that either. Is it just purple cabbage? Is that what it is? No, no, it, it is regular coleslaw with that vinegar barbecue sauce in it. Huh. And so, I mean, this is uh, making me, you know, I, I, maybe the Lord is calling us back to North Carolina. I don't know. I maybe, so, may have to make a road trip. Or road so. trip. My goodness, that sounds great. The so convention's in North Carolina a couple years. I'll have to, if I don't right. get there before next, then. Next summer, that's right. We'll have to go eat. But one of the neat things that the pastor and the staff do here at Friendly Avenue is we stand in the food line for Wednesday night meal and we dish the food for all the people who come through. And at first I thought maybe it was because we didn't have enough volunteers, you know, maybe we were shorthanded, but that's not really the real purpose. The real purpose is we get to learn people's names when they come through as we give them their food and as we scoop out that barbecue and that red coleslaw, uh, they did have regular coleslaw for the people who couldn't take the red coleslaw, but um, you know, I tried it and it wasn't all that bad. So what I've, what I've come to discover over the years is whether the people are in Texas or uh, Kansas or Arkansas or North Carolina, um, they're all basically the same and they want to know that, that you care and you care about them, you're praying for them. And uh, it's a lot of fun in the meantime to figure out some of the little idiosyncrasies of the place uh, compared to where you're used to. So we're learning to shop at Food Lion and we're learning to shop at Harris Teeter. Those are grocery stores, by the way. Uh, neither of those are ones that we're used to. So I grew up with new Food things. Lion. I, yeah, I grew up in Georgia, so I know Food Lion well. Uh, some of the first uh, grocery stores, you know, Aaron, one of the things that, that as I hear you say that just, I mean, this is kind of ministry one-on-one stuff, but again, I think it's easy to forget is that, you know, standing in that line, learning people's name, just, you know, reminds us sometimes that that ministry is obviously for God's glory, but it's so people focused. And one of the things I hear you're saying too, is that you're learning to love what those people love. And, you know, when you, whether you're in a small town or, you know, a whole new state, when you begin to learn what and love what they love, and, and I'll be honest, I've met some guys sometimes and they've struggled with that. You know, it's mm. always back home this and back home that. And my church back home was this. My, my pastor back home was that. And when God plants us in a field, you know, you, you got to love what's there. And Ben, mm-hmm. I think you used the word soil. You know, you've got to learn, hey, this, this isn't the same soil as Texas to a degree. And so, yeah, just learning to love what people love goes a long way into having that opportunity to speak discipleship um, Mm -hmm. or to do discipleship, to speak truth into their life and to lead them in worship when they know, you know what, Aaron may not be from North Carolina, but you know what, he loves North Carolina like Mm -hmm. we do. Yeah. So what about in the church environment? Has there been any major cultural surprises there outside of the, the you know, the state you're living in, maybe the church context culture, because that's going to be different too. Yeah, it it is different. Now, I'm still learning the church culture itself. We've got a great staff ministry team, a wonderful pastor, and uh, recently the church adopted new values and, and mission statement, which is wonderful. But one of the, the funny cultural things, one of my first Sundays here, we had a double funeral, uh, husband and wife, not from the church, but from the community. 
had passed away and they were kind of notable people in the community and they passed away one day apart from one another. One passed away in the evening, one passed away in the morning. And so they had a double funeral and it was my job to play the piano at the funeral. And I was playing the piano and the music associate asked me, she said, well, aren't you gonna play a postlude after the funeral is done? And that thought had not crossed my mind that we would need to have a postlude at the end until the end of the funeral came. And then I realized I was not familiar with the culture of funerals in North Carolina because as they wheeled those caskets out, all of the friends stayed seated and the family members followed the casket out and, and they needed music for that time so that the family and the casket could leave and then then the funeral directors dismissed the friends that were sitting and i've never been to a funeral like that before but apparently that's how things go in north carolina <laughs> that's not and the arkansas I, texas way <laughs> no when i described the arkansas texas way to the music associate she said she had never heard of such and uh, she couldn't imagine it going that way that's funny. Some of those things you probably don't even think about. Well, everybody does it the way we've always done it. Exactly. And there's so many of those little things in ministry that this is the only way I know. And I, why would anybody else do it a different way? But I mean, how many ways can you do a funeral? But yeah, it's funny how there's just little things like that. Funny story. One time I was doing a funeral and I walked out with the casket into the little side room and the uh, director of the funeral home, I said, okay, pastor, I'm going to go get the family. They'll have one more time. He was only gone like 30 seconds, but it was just long enough to go. I mean, they know I'm in here with this casket, right? They, <laughs> like they, they didn't turn out the lights. This isn't a cruel joke, is it? So, <laughs> yeah, that was a little different. That's, that's interesting. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us. It's been a good conversation. I've enjoyed it. Now, I do have another question for you. It's getting close to March Madness here, and you are right in the seat of like basketball. It, it's a. Uh, serious thing there in North Carolina. Yes. Have you been drugged? I don't know what your college team is if you have one, but you have you I was been gonna drugged? Say, this might be this might be the the real culture of learning to learn what they love, but knowing when to hate who they hate at the right time. <laughs> See, that's that's the difficult part because if you're in Arkansas, you know you can cheer for the Razorbacks and you're pretty safe. But around here, everybody cheers for a different team. We've got North Carolinas close by. Duke is right here. North Carolina State is here. Wake Forest is here. And everyone cheers for a different team very passionately. So you have equal opportunities to offend everyone. Yes, and in North Carolina and those schools, it's not a I, – I root for them too. It's a – you are sold out to your school and with those in basketball especially. That's right. One of our leaders here at the church is an Ole Miss grad. So he's an SEC guy. But he's been here in the ACC for a long time. And he said, I went to a North Carolina football game. And he said, I thought I was watching golf. They were just barely clapping at the football game. <laughs> but then he said, I started going to Tar Heels basketball games. And those people go crazy. So their basketball games are a little bit like our football games in the SEC. That's they, funny. They oh take it serious. So are y'all a Tar Heel church? Is that pretty much? Or is it divided well, in the church? It's divided in the church. The pastor is, he's a South Carolina guy. Grew up in South Carolina, but Duke basketball, man. He's Duke basketball all the way. Sounds and, like my uh, kind of guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> but we're all fractured on our basketball allegiance. <laughs> so basically, 11 months a year of unity, March rolls around, and it's uh, don't talk to me. So it should be fun. It should be fun. I'll just have to go get some barbecue, and there it uh, is. We'll go from there. <laughs> Give everybody some red bar- red coleslaw, and that'll calm them all down. There yeah. you go. There you go. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us. If somebody wanted to connect with you or touch base with you, how's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can send me an email at aledford at friendlyavenue.com, or you can find me on Facebook, and I'd love to chat with you. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening in this week, Chair 2 Leaders. For Danny Smith, I'm Ben South. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, social media. Follow us on there and like and whatever you do with podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts so others can find us as well. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.